you've arrived at Pretty Spiritual Podcast, where we share our spiritual journeys to empower yours. Come on in. Yeah. Okay. No, seriously, come in. (laughs) (laughs) Hello there, spiritual friends. Hi, I'm Lindsay Pony, and today is a special one. We are honored to have a guest reach out to us who is on and working the spiritual path. Um, I was inspired by her willingness to share freely. Our guest today, Sarah Longacre. Hi. (laughs) There she is. (laughs) Is a mental health advocate and RN. I'm going to introduce you right now. And that was my main introduction. This is Sarah. Hi. So yeah, I... um... I did reach out to you. I will say that I listened to your podcast when I was going through the most difficult time in my life. And so it was really wonderful to have this chance. I am a mental health advocate specializing mostly in OCD. Um, I do want to preface this by saying I'm not a mental health professional. So what I have to say today is, you know, with the guys that I have experienced OCD, and I'm not a physician. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation about mental health, what OCD is and what it's not, and kind of talking about my experience with what it was and how that affected my spiritual path. Yeah, that's right. That's our topic today is OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and getting to learn about um, your own personal experience with that. And as Annie and I always love to talk about, you know, we are not mental health experts in any way, but <laughs> yeah. I have found that people coming from experience, having the experience, walking through it, going through it, being in the trenches with it, and then learning and finding tools and things that work and coming out the other side who are willing to share, have something that is so valuable. So I'm just so grateful to get to meet you and then be with you. It's just like such a really big honor for me today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And thank you for being so willing and so brave to come and share about something. It's, it's so awesome. Yeah. Being of service in this way. It's really real. So thank you so much. So Sarah's going to take over PSP today, sharing her experience, and I'm excited to listen and ask questions, and yeah, Yeah. I'm right here with you, so thank you. So jump in anytime if something I'm saying doesn't necessarily make sense, or if you want further explanation on it. I think a lot of times when we're really familiar with something, we talk about it as though other people have that knowledge, and so first I want to talk about what advocacy is, because I think that's something that's really important to kind of highlight. I think all of us are advocates. I happen to be an advocate for OCD because I've experienced it, Mm -hmm. but I think all of us are advocates for ourselves. And so initially my reasoning for becoming an advocate was to help others. What I've realized is that through being an advocate for others, I've been my biggest advocate. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about what OCD is and then also what it isn't. So I think when we think about OCD, everyone kind of conjure your image of OCD. We have a certain image of what we think it is. And that's just because that's how it's been portrayed in popular culture. Mm -hmm. So we see people or movies like As Good As It Gets or um, other movies that portray it around contamination, organization, 
And it's portrayed as like a personality quirk. Mm -hmm. What OCD really is, is a disabling mental health condition. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that that's so important for me when it comes to advocacy is because had I known that, I think I would have been diagnosed much earlier. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the reason that I really focus on advocacy is for early detection, treatment, and for people to really understand what OCD really is. So having said that, what OCD actually is, is a disabling mental health condition mm-hmm. that's revolved around intrusive thoughts, which we all have. Yeah. We all... <laughs> I'm listening to it Yeah. <laughs> we all have intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Um, we all have the image of like, what if I just fell on my face right now? Or right. what if I pushed this person? The difference between someone who's who has the brain capacity to move on from that and someone with OCD is when I have those type of intrusive thoughts, first of all, they are very what's called ego dystonic, which basically means there's my ego and it's against my ego. So these thoughts are something that are disturbing, highly disturbing to me. And I become obsessive around that. So I have that thought and I think, why would I think that? Why would I think about pushing this person? Most people move on from that. My brain doesn't necessarily have the capability to do that sometimes. So I have this intrusive thought, and then I go into compulsions, and those compulsions are there to neutralize the fear that the intrusive thought created. The problem is that the compulsions never work. Mm -hmm. So they give us momentary Mm -hmm. relief, but then it creates a cycle Mm -hmm. where it builds and builds and builds. The general idea of OCD in the community is that those compulsions look like tapping, counting, repetitive behaviors. That is a factor in OCD. And it's probably, I don't know the exact figures, but I would say probably like maybe 30% of people actually have that as a compulsion. The compulsion for myself and for a lot of other people can be a combination of that as well as mental rituals. That can look like rumination, so thinking about it all the time, and not just thinking about it a little, like constantly thinking about it. When I was at my worst with OCD, I would say it was taking up every moment of my waking life. And so the repetitive thought creating rumination, reassurance seeking, asking other people, have you ever thought this? Mm -hmm. Trying to get answers. Also trying to reflect on past events. Have I ever thought this thought before? Is this a pattern with me? So it's all around trying to gain certainty. So Mm -hmm. me trying to do all of these things as a, in a repetitive nature, are to gain a yes or no answer. Am I a monster? Am I the person who would do this? I think, again, what we all have in our heads, too, around OCD is around contamination and around organization. And while that definitely is a subset of OCD themes, there are lots of others. Most people don't just have one theme. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have multiple themes. Those themes can be harm-related. They can be of a sexual nature. They can be of, around relationships. They can be around uh, religion or spirituality, which was what was something in my case. It really OCD can kind of attach itself to everything. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most times it attaches itself to the things that matter most to you. Mm-hmm. My spirituality has always meant a great deal to me. 
OCD attached itself to that. Mm. My relationship with my partner has been very important to me. My OCD attached itself to that. It's really a horrible, cruel mental health condition. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that I advocate for it so much is that had I known that was what OCD was, I think I would have been diagnosed much sooner. Mm -hmm. When I was struggling, I had no idea what that OCD could be around all these other topics that um, it presented itself the way that it did. And I was really lucky in the sense that I was diagnosed. I would say that I had like my peak, which is what I say, like my brain broke. Mm -hmm. I would, I had that moment and within two years I was diagnosed. Okay. The average time frame for most people between like height of onset of symptoms and diagnosis is 10 years. Okay. That's a lot of the reason that I'm here is yeah. to talk about what OCD is, um, what types of treatment mm -hmm. are used for it, mm -hmm. what my experience was, mm -hmm. and then of course, how we can get better, right? Yeah. So. And would you be willing, it can be general or mm -hmm. your own personal, however, um, you're obviously in the community too in some way. So yeah. I suspect you have lots of things that you could pull from. But if you could give us some actual examples of, so like when it attaches itself to whether it be the relationship or spirituality, mm -hmm. um, again, it, it can be general. This doesn't have to be. Yeah, absolutely. We can use the example of you're standing in a subway and you have the thought of what if I just pushed this person mm -hmm. onto the subway platform? So when I have that thought, I have the thought. It is extremely distressing and usually results in panic. Mm -hmm. I would say that I was living at like a 10 out of 10 on the panic scale. Mm. I have that thought and then I immediately think, why did I have that thought? That's so distressing to me that I had it. I need to figure out why mm -hmm. I had it. So I can go into, specifically for myself, I would go into rumination. I would also go into reassurance seeking. So asking my partner, would I push that person onto the platform? Have you ever had that thought? Mm -hmm. I would review past events. Have I ever had this thought before? I would look it up on the internet. Who looks up this kind of, you know, who thinks of these types mm -hmm. of things? Has anyone else ever mm -hmm. had this thought? All of that is aimed at me feeling from a 10 to like an eight. Mm -hmm. And anything where I can put that panic down from a 10 to an eight, my brain attaches itself to that and thinks, oh, we're we're getting somewhere here. Right. Let's keep doing that. Right. The problem is I have that de-escalation and anxiety and then my brain goes right back to thinking, wait a minute though, did I really, let's think about this again. It's never, I, I cannot obtain certainty because no one can obtain right. certainty. So I can't obtain certainty. So I keep looping. I yes. keep looping. Yes. So that cycle continues and then it wouldn't just be around that. Maybe I have another intrusive thought. And then most of my day is at that point comprised of me attempting to seek certainty, having the intrusive thought, attempting yeah. to seek certainty, having the intrusive thought. And intrusive thoughts are a lot like triggers. So it's something you don't anticipate. Mm -hmm. Another huge compulsion is avoidance. So when I was not doing well, I would avoid the things that I had intrusive thoughts about. When I first when when I first had my experience, I was actually in the middle of a meditation. And 
I had an intrusive thought that I should leave my marriage. It seems like something that a lot of people think, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe this is something that maybe this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. It frightened me so much because my marriage is so important to me from a safety perspective Mm -hmm. and because my husband's rad, but um, (laughs) that I immediately thought I need to figure out why I thought this. I was in meditation at the time and I thought, does the universe want me to leave my husband? Does my source, is this like, Mm -hmm. is this intuition or is this, what is this? I spent the next (laughs) eight months trying to figure that out. The tricky part about it is I was seen by therapists. I was, I even went into an outpatient psychiatric program because I was, my level of functioning had decreased so drastically. Mm Um, I lost 30 pounds. I wasn't sleeping. It took up all of my time. Mm-hmm. And when I was explaining what my thoughts were, therapists are thinking, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you're just at a crisis moment. Like, don't make any decisions until you're feeling more stable. That all for me was like the worst thing that you could mm-hmm. tell me because I want to know. Mm-hmm. So I was seeking my obsessions kind of melded with each other. So I would end up trying to seek out through spiritual sources, the answer. Mm -hmm. I would sit and meditate. I would draw angel cards. Mm -hmm. I would go to my Reiki practitioner. Mm -hmm. I would go to see psychics. I would, I mean, I did everything. I went to shamans. I did all of this. And throughout a lot of these experiences, a lot of people were saying, your husband seems like a really great person. You seem to have a really close connection to him. That would throw me for a loop because I just wanted someone to tell me right. yes or no. Right. And anytime someone said yes, I thought, oh, maybe they don't know. Anytime someone said, yeah, maybe you should leave, again, the panic would set in. It really put me at a space where I felt completely isolated mm-hmm. from my source. Yeah. I didn't have... I couldn't trust my intuition anymore and I couldn't trust my relationship with my spirituality. Mm -hmm. It was incredibly destabilizing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, it was, I went through some periods of really intense depression, not being able to understand what was going on. And At one point, I even considered taking my life Mm -hmm. because these thoughts, I had some other intrusive thoughts that were of more of a taboo nature Mm -hmm. that created so much Mm -hmm. doubt and made me feel like, oh my gosh, am I a monster? I thought, maybe I don't deserve to be here. So it was, I'm going to try not to get emotional, but um, it was, yeah, it was torture is the best way I can describe it. And I was so fortunate that I had the means to be able to seek treatment, that I had the support system that I did throughout all of this. My husband, he said he just knew. He was like, I knew that you were going through something. I knew it had nothing to do with our marriage. And that normally would be a great sign, right? But for me, it was like, oh, well, he's not willing to accept this. And But I was really lucky in the sense that finally I told one of my therapists, one of my intrusive thoughts, that can be really, really hard to do because these thoughts are so 
against your values Mm -hmm. to talk about them gives them a greater meaning. Mm -hmm. I also thought if I talk about it spiritually, it's going to put that energy out there. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I always wonder. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So all uh-huh. these things that like in, are ingrained in my spirituality mm-hmm. were very, it was counterintuitive for mm-hmm. me to talk about it. So I talked about it with her. I shared it with her and I thought she was gonna, mm-hmm. I thought someone was going to arrest me. I thought they were going to hospitalize me. I thought this is going to be my undoing and what it ended up being was my savior because I told her she was thinking she kind of knew a little bit about it. She wasn't a specialist. She was a a trauma therapist. Mm -hmm. She had a friend who specialized in OCD in the Sacramento area. And the first time I met Susan, my therapist, and she was explaining OCD to me, I cried for the whole hour Yeah, because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not a monster. I'm not going crazy. I mean, I definitely still needed a lot of convincing, but it gave a name Mm -hmm. to something that at that point was just the shadow that Mm -hmm. was following me around. Mm -hmm. And when you can name that shadow and look at it and say like, I see you for what you are, there's such a freedom in that. Yeah. So I started doing the therapy that is recommended for OCD, it's the only recommended therapy. And another thing that's really lucky, I don't know if I want to use that term, but another fortunate thing is that there's actually a therapy for OCD. It's not just, there's a way to reduce these compulsions. There's a way to live a fully functioning life with OCD. Mm -hmm. It's not a sentence for, of course you struggle with this condition for the rest of your life, but sometimes I don't even notice I have it. There Mm -hmm. are some days that I don't, that that's a part of my landscape. So, um, do you want me to talk a little bit about ERP then? Or do you have questions? Okay. Um, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just really fascinated right now by getting to hear more the human experience and all the ways on the spectrum that we are and can be. And I just think it's so helpful to come and talk about this because we hold so much inside of us Mm -hmm. and we don't know what's going on. And then we're trying to figure it all out by ourselves or like wishing it would go away or believing we're bad or broken. And then being able to find the areas and the courage and the bravery to be able to voice and talk about what's going on within really can help take the power away. And then also when we think it's like our sentence, like the worst thing in the world, you know, I have hit many levels in my life of where I really needed healing and where I thought that getting that diagnosis or get that part of me during that time was going to be the end of the world. It was actually the beginning of my life, right? a whole new life, a whole new way to live. Right. And so it's so wonderful to be able to hear your what you're saying. And also when we get into the tools, the reason why I was really interested in OCD is because I haven't known someone and didn't know enough about it, but I have uh, people in my social circle or around wherever we are, where they will use OCD as a, a verb mm-hmm. for something that they are, that they do. Yeah. And I have gotten in the habit of saying to them that some people really struggle with OCD and that it's, um, 
that could be hurtful. They could be here right now. You're, and so anyway, I tried to say things. That's so wonderful that Uh, you do that. That's uh, really sweet. Yeah, I really try. And so when we get into the tools, we can talk more about that, but I'm really glad that you could come here so that we could kind of paint more of a picture. Yeah. And also again, being like on the spectrum, you know, we're all humans. And so there's ways that we all are, that it can, it, be and so it makes sense of like why we would just say oh well that's my OCD you know that's Mm -hmm. what I hear a lot Um, and not understanding that some people are at a part on the spectrum where this is where you know people are contemplating if they can be alive anymore with this type of thing so to use it so flippantly is yeah I just really wanted to kind of talk about that because I think it's really important I think our words are really important it's the way we talk to ourselves what we're hearing and then being Mm -hmm. able to set ourselves free in that type of way and then what we're saying to others around us I think is a really good spiritual place to look and be with. And one other thing I wanted to say is I love how in meditation, you know, these, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gets kind of slippery, you know, cause yeah. I'm like, Oh, I mean, obviously this is like the answer to everything or th- this is something that's been pointing me in this direction. I must look at this. And like mm-hmm. oftentimes in meditation now, I bring myself back into, this is just like, it doesn't have anything to do with OCD. Just how interesting it can be in meditation where our minds can be like, in such a different place. I really try and be gentle and calm and rest my mind. Maybe we'll think about that later. I like to kind of like (laughs) help myself because it'll, that's when some of my most intrusive messed up or whatever Mm -hmm. most enticing thoughts really come in is during meditation. So practicing getting able to like honor them in whatever way that I can, whether that be later and not in meditation. So I just related so much, you know, in a totally different way and wanted to bring voice to that. So just thank you so much. I think any mental health condition Mm -hmm. is just an extreme of the human experience. So everyone like it's you know everyone has intrusive thoughts this is just an extreme version of that of a coping mechanism to try to exactly allow us to make sense of these thoughts right one thing it was interesting that you said you know our spiritual experiences really do change it's a beginning and not an end and one of the things my husband used to say to me a lot when I was going through recovery was, this is your opportunity to reaffirm your existence. And I loved that because it was allowing me to take the power back mm-hmm. for that experience and saying, I'm not going to be the person that I was. I think the whole time I was struggling, I thought, I just want to go back to the way things were. Mm. I'm so glad that I didn't go back to the way things were. Right. I created an entirely new life for myself that was not centered around going backwards. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to language. Oftentimes I know there's a lot of things that we have to pay attention to. Sometimes when we're speaking and that we're never going to be perfect. I think language is just around the intention, right? Mm -hmm. It it shows that we have this intention to have empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when I'm modifying some things that I say, it's not that I'm you know, trying to acquiesce to someone else's truth. It's that I'm showing you, Lindsay, that I have empathy from, for where you are, regardless of if I know where you're at or not. Right. So I think 
Yeah. And, and ERP, which I'll, which I'll talk about. So ERP is the form of treatment. Okay. It's called exposure and response prevention therapy. One of the things I love about it is you can, I can apply it to just about anything. When I first started learning about ERP, I thought this sounds like torture. And it was. <laughs> like most tools. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm already in torture and now I have to get even, and now I have mm-hmm. to really look at the shadow, mm-hmm. really go into this, this dark mm-hmm. night. So it's exposing ourselves to the fear, whatever my fear is. I expose myself to that fear. I do it in a stepwise fashion. So I don't I don't go nuts and think like, okay, I'm gonna I'm going to expose myself to the thing that terrifies me the most. So you develop a hierarchy when you go to uh, an ERP therapist. And one thing, if there's anyone that's listening to this that feels like either they have some of these symptoms, it's always very important to make sure that the therapist you're working with is very experienced in ERP. You usually want to make sure that their client base is at least 50% of people with OCD because it is a therapy modality that if done incorrectly with OCD patients when they're really, really not doing well, doesn't, you know, you want to make sure that you have someone who's very experienced. We create a hierarchy and then we work from the bottom up. We take the obsessions that are the on a scale that are the least ego dystonic. They're the ones that aren't as challenging for me to accept. So they don't give me as much anxiety. And did you say ego dystonic? Yeah. You're going to define that. Yeah. So it's against my, so my ego, myself, dis is always against. It's something that's negative. It's against the perception of myself that I have. So against my values. Okay. Leaving my husband is against my values. Okay. Not having connection or feeling like my spiritual source is pushing something uncomfortable on me is against my values. And so when you're starting out, so you're doing the hierarchy, you're making sure that you don't jump into like the biggest one that's going to be soul crushing. Right. And that you have all of your community and your mental health people. And so little tiny Mm -hmm. beginning. Baby steps. Exposure therapy. Just like what we, what we would recommend or what someone would recommend in trauma therapy. We're not going to go over the big traumas. Let's deal with the little, my therapist calls them the little T traumas before we hit the big T's, you know? Uh So we start there. Exposing yourself to something can be sitting with the thought Mm -hmm. without performing the compulsions. Okay. So that's the response prevention part. We have the exposure and then the response prevention is I am not going to try to neutralize these thoughts. I'm going to allow them to be there. It's incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. I realized that through doing it, it was a lot like mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let this thought be there and I'm not going to, I'm not going to attach myself to it. Yeah. A thought is a thought. It's nothing but a thought. Mm -hmm. The tricky part about it is when doing it, if I'm telling myself, this is just a thought, it doesn't mean anything, it's okay, Mm -hmm. and I'm consoling myself in that way, that in and of itself can be a compulsion. It's just allowing it to be there. Not doing, so for me, a, a good example would be, I would check a lot when it came to my husband, mental checking. And it may not be something people are familiar with, but there's a certain, it's not really a diagnosis, but a lot of people who just suffer from mental compulsions refer to it as pure O, which is just purely obsessive. It's kind of a 
some people don't necessarily agree with that title, but it's basically saying that my compulsions are not outward. You're not seeing me do things that, right. that you can say, right. this is a little intense. So my partner at the time didn't even know that I was right. doing these things, but I would do checking. So I would sit there and I would think, how do I feel about him now? okay, that feeling isn't good enough. How would I feel about him now? Okay, that was like uncertain. I'm not sure what that feeling was. How do I feel about... Mm. So I would perform these checking compulsions all the time. So an exposure for me would be to sit on the couch with my husband. So first of all, that in and of itself is an exposure because I'm not avoiding him. Mm -hmm. I'm putting myself in the situation. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not going to do the compulsions. I'm not going to check. And you do it in increments. So initially I was doing exposures an hour a day mm -hmm. and then I would go up and then I would go up and up. And as you do these exposures, your anxiety begins to les lessen because two things happen. You recognize that you're never going to know the answer. You're never going to know whether or not you're going <laughs> to, you're going to leave your husband. Right. You're never going to know whether or not your husband's going to leave you. Right you have to sit in that uncertainty. Right. So I'm sitting in the uncertainty and I'm also acknowledging that I have no control mm -hmm. because these thoughts are going to come regardless of whether or not mm -hmm. I like them or I don't. Mm -hmm. I have to accept these thoughts mm -hmm. and I have to sit there and not try to neutralize the anxiety. Mm -hmm. I worked with my therapist. It's been almost two years now. I made a pretty substantial recovery. I was, I was stabilized on medication before I was able to really tackle the big ones. Medication and therapy as a combination can be great. Sometimes people don't want to take medication. Yeah. I didn't, but I recognized that it was what I needed at the time to get me to a place where I could do the therapy. Mm -hmm. Once I started doing it, it was almost like certain, I would tackle one obsession and then another one would kind of fall away. It wasn't like I had to tackle every single mm -hmm. one. I was tackling them little by little, and slowly they just started to, to fall away. And it's a daily thing that I still do every day. I still do ERP. Mm -hmm. um, I have new intrusive thoughts that come up. It's hard, but it's just a matter of saying, maybe. Mm -hmm. yep. Maybe. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> and and so. being oh, and and just sitting with that feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be okay with it. I don't right. have to be okay with these thoughts. Mm -hmm. But it's not accepting them just because I'm saying maybe. Mm -hmm. It's just saying I'm never going to know that answer. No matter how mm -hmm. much I think about it, I check mm -hmm. internally. No matter how much I seek reassurance from other people. Right. None of that is ever going to give me an answer. Right. The interesting thing is, is through not seeking the answer, I've never felt closer to my husband in my life, mm -hmm. you know, in our marriage. It's like things evolved and changed so much because I wasn't looking for it. Right. And by not seeking it, yeah. my body and my mind relaxed around yeah. our relationship and things for him changed. And, mm -hmm. and I don't want to paint this like glossy picture of this condition because it's not necessarily, I think now when I'm outside of it, I can look back and say, 
I'm so fortunate. I'm so glad. Not everyone is lucky enough to have that experience, whether it's that they don't have access to therapy, whether they don't know that they're struggling with it and it takes 10 years. I really want to pay the dues to people who struggle for even after diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes ERP doesn't work for every person. Mm -hmm. And so while, yes, it's the benchmark treatment for OCD, it's not a cure-all. OCD is a lifelong disorder, just like everything else. And I think through having OCD, I've recognized I'm in the same like boat as everyone else who's having a mental health, who has a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. We're just rowing at different speeds and on different sides of the boat. We're all in it though. Mm-hmm. I have an immense amount of compassion for anyone struggling, whether that's with depression, anxiety, OCD, anything. It's a battle. And I'm lucky that I've gotten to this place. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. I really feel like everything you're talking about is really applicable too. Personally, I think that we all have mental health. Of course. Uh, Yeah. You know, we all have mental health. So we're all in our boats and we're all kind of rowing. We get the opportunity to kind of see where we're at, what these thoughts do to our minds, obviously not in an OCD capacity. I don't have that experience, but I know for me, I've really been through meditation and on this spiritual path, the type of environment I'm creating through my thoughts. And again, we can't be responsible for the thoughts that come in. Our first thought anyway is what mm-hmm. I've been taught. It's how we behave around the sec- with the second thoughts, essentially. Right. My favorite topic, and I don't get to talk to a lot of people <laughs> about this, is about uncertainty. And people really hate it. I was telling Annie not too long ago, we were having a friend phone conversation and I was like, well, life's uncertain. Everything's uncertain. And on that we can rely. And she goes, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, reject that. She, she was like, I want to know that we're going to be friends forever. You know, we were just, it was the sweetest, like best thing. And it's so great to have like my dearest friends next to me that I get to talk to about this for me. And what I've noticed with humans is that uncertain, we hate uncertainty. We do. We hate it. And to build our tolerance to that discomfort around uncertainty, because we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. And then this gets to our core around safety. Am I going to be okay? And so I'm really grateful for this talk about OCD and to get your personal experience and what that's like and just how much I relate to it on a human level, how much I want certainty and I want validation. You know, I just resonating so much with what you're talking about. And on that note, I wanted to offer some other words to replace OCD as a Mm -hmm. verb. There are some things that we could say instead, some things we could say, my dysfunctional cleaning. Mm-hmm. Um, my neuroses around being on time, my irrational need to fix people's imperfections. Mm-hmm. A few other examples of words that you could use instead of just a blanket statement of OCD, which is not really correct. Plenty of other words, and you could find some that you like. And here's a few that I looked up that I thought could be useful. Fixation, obsession, pedantic, precise, fastidious, finicky, fussy, And then my favorite, the replacement, I think that we all could use is mashuga. Oh, I love that. I love it too. (laughs) Mashuga is an abnormal state of mind. 
Yeah. So it's such a great replacement. We can say things like, I'm such a perfectionist. I can get a little in my head about things like this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my anxiety shows up in my need to organize things. This is all a very human thing that we can relate to and we don't have to go over into somebody's mental health can be a crisis at the time Mm -hmm. them overhear this again with like the empathy it is it is important and we're all humans here we're all on our boats we're all having our moment hopefully what I always like to say with my group and my community of healing and healers is that oftentimes we're not all having our mental health crisis on the same day yeah so you know we get to kind of (laughs) yeah buoy each other up and be considerate with our words and our actions. I'd love to plug some areas where people can find you. If Absolutely. Not- no, I do really quickly want to touch on what you just said because yeah. it's so... I think that's something I kind of glazed over. And I think we all have this idea of what OCD is. And when we say things like, I'm so OCD, or plug in any mental health condition. Oh, I'm being super manic right now. Right, exactly. You know, we would never use those terms like plug in a physical disability or condition instead. If I was super shaky one day, I would never say, oh, like I'm having such a Parkinson's moment. Because I would recognize how insensitive that is. So I think it's so wonderful that you have these, it's not an adjective, it's not just a personality quirk. This isn't something that's just a trait that I have. Contamination and organization, they're like the highlighted themes of OCD. The majority of people who suffer from OCD do not have contamination fears. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that because there's a lot of people who do and Mm -hmm. it's just as destabilizing. There's no one theme that's more intense than any Mm -hmm. of the others, but it's generally seen as a contamination disorder. I'm a nurse. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with germs, clearly, or I wouldn't be able to do what I do. (laughs) Working through COVID-19, I realized, yeah, I really don't have a problem. Like I find, I found myself actually more calm around all of what was going on in the hospital because it was utilized ERP. I thought Mm -hmm. maybe... Right. Maybe. Maybe So I'm, I am on Instagram. I do have an advocacy page on Instagram at alive with uncertainty, which it's relatively new, but on that page, I do have a couple articles that I've posted. I do have some tools that I've listed there just around my experience and others tricks to expose yourself to uncertainty, regardless of whether or not you have OCD. I always say expose yourself to uncertainty as a human being, wherever you can. Yes. I stopped plugging in. I used to plug in all the time when I'd be driving, I'd plug in my location to see exactly how long it was going to take me to get there. Mm -hmm. I stopped doing that just as an exercise Mm -hmm. to I'm not going to know when I'm going to get there. I might hit traffic. Like, I don't know, you know? So doing those little things. So I have a couple articles up on that. Great. I love the name, Alive with Uncertainty. Yeah. I love it. One other quick question that I had is, I was wondering if there was, I was Mm -hmm. thinking there would probably be like some types of communities and like anonymous groups for people who have OCD, which is a free place where you can go, you can find your community, you can be together, you can talk about this type of thing and tools are passed around in there. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, there is one organization who does free support groups. They're not anonymous because- their attempt they want to make sure everyone's comfort level is there that like right. no one's but it's called no cd it's n o c d right and they're an organization that not only do they have free support groups they can also connect you to an erp therapist amazing someone who's trained i know i'm not sure about their fee schedule but i know that i think they may have a sliding scale sure. but they connect people to ocd therapists who are trained in erp 
all over the U.S. and the U.K., and I believe there's other countries as well. I feel like Amazing. I'm missing something there, but they're a wonderful organization. <laughs> the International OCD Foundation is another organization that's great for connecting with support groups and therapists. If you go to the IOCDF page, there's a drop down that talks about resources and finding help. And you can plug in whether or not you're looking for a therapist, a support group, an outpatient program. There are specific inpatient programs for OCD as well. You can choose what you're looking for and try to find something in your area. Thank you so much for those resources. I love how we share our stories and gain insight and learn and grow from each other. Feel free to find Sarah at Alive with Uncertainty. If you would like to get a hold of me, Lindsay Pony specifically, you're going to have to email me. I'm sorry. I uploaded Instagram today so that I could post a little picture or whatever. <laughs> Annie's doing all the Instagram. I am off social media. Please feel free to email me at pretty spiritual podcast at gmail.com. Also, please, if you love us, please rate and review us wherever you listen to us. If you're listening to us on Insight Timer, feel free to leave a comment. It means so much to us. It helps us so much. You can find us on Patreon. We're not doing any extra content right now because honestly, this is the most expensive free podcast and we are doing everything we can. I literally had to have my partner engineer a piece to have microphones today. So just know we are holding on by a thread here. Send us some love through comments and stars, whatever it can be. And I just really want to thank Sarah so much for coming and being here. Finding real people in the world because of this really keeps me going. We're here. We're together. We're doing really hard stuff. Yeah. And when we come together like this, we find a way to just make in that next little extra step together. Absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, just to have the opportunity to talk about this is in a way a little exposure for me too. Yeah. Like I said, I listened to your podcast when I was doing really poorly mm-hmm. and I really took a lot of solace in a lot of the words that the three of you had to say. It really made a difference. So oh know that it did. Yeah. 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 And I wanted to bring it back to the last thing to close it off here is what I believe your partner said. This is your opportunity to reaffirm your existence. What a beautiful mantra and saying. And when we use our imaginations, we can imagine that life can be better than we ever thought it could before. So like Sarah was saying, I wish things would just go back to the way it was. Mm -hmm. Let's all practice using our imagination and imagine it better. So yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. So you. Yeah. Bye everybody.